Hey, this is Philip Craig here. I'm the pastor of Aria Church. This is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this empowers you. I hope it fuels your faith. And I hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. And this message today is called Before the Miracle. Before the Miracle. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for your power. We thank you for your love. And we just thank you that you're here right now and that you're ready to speak it to our hearts. God, I pray that we would be listening with attentive ears. God, you would just make your way into our heart gently and guide us as we take next steps in our lives. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Before the miracle, so last week we, we spoke about the first miracle. And so within the Bible, when you're studying the Bible, one of the principles scholars would say is really important. When you study the Bible, the first time anything is ever mentioned, the first mentioned principle is called, is really important. Because that defines often what that subject is about. It defines what God is trying to do or trying to define. It gives a perfect a definition of what's going on. So when we look at where sin began, we look back to where, we look back to the garden of Adam and Eve. Some of you have probably heard that story. And so we look, this is how sin began. It was when man, uh, or when we talk about man, we often mean man and woman. And uh, how man and woman, uh, sin began, now don't be blaming the woman, but it began when, when man collectively tried to go his own or her own way, tried to do his own thing, tried to get knowledge and, and work everything out. Yeah? But here we see Jesus has come to the earth to represent God, to do the work of the Father. And, and his first miracle is really important uh, because it defines the supernatural power of God. It, it defines the supernatural life-changing power of God. And so here we have Jesus and he's on the earth and, and he's came to give this <coughs> world-changing, life-changing message from death to life. Didn't come to just make people behave better or to make people from, from bad to good. He, made, he came to make people literally from going to a place of death to a place of life, from a place of limited, limited to a place of unlimited. That's what eternity really means. It means you're not limited just to this earth. We're all gonna die. 100, have you ever believed this? If you're a gambler, put your money on this. 100% of people, one out of one, are gonna die. Ever heard that before? Brand new information, one out of one. No one's. That wasn't a revelation for anyone then. And so let's go straight into the scripture here. It says in John 2, verses 1 to 3 in NIV, it says, on the third day of the wedding, so we're going back to what we talked about last week. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples that's what I want to focus on in this part right now. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. Jesus, everyone say invited. Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to them, they have no more wine. So we talked about the miracle and how new power often comes from new wine, but new wine is produced when there's a crushing and often when we suffer, we see, and God brings us through seasons of suffering, of pain, of hurt that we never asked for, never wanted, never would dream about, but it comes anyhow 
trouble comes anyhow. And so God actually uses those seasons to allow us to be crushed so we can actually see his goodness. We can see that life is temporal and he is not. We can see the true power comes from by the spirit of God, not by the power of man. Can I get an amen? Good. And so the first point I want to make is Jesus done life in a group. Because it said Jesus and his disciples. It didn't say Jesus alone came to the party by himself, secluded, didn't ask anyone to come with him, had no friends. No, it said Jesus with his disciples, with his friends, with his companions, with the people that he'd done life with, Jesus and his group. Oh, we're going for groups today. Jesus and his group. Before the miracle, Jesus had established a group of people. It seemed important for Jesus and God the Father to allow Jesus to establish a group before he was about to do any serious life change. Because up until that point, Jesus was just learning, going to the temple, taking notes, learning the scriptures, learning the Old Testament, learning the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Bible. Jesus was just going through study. He was building relationship. He was doing life. He was growing in stature and in knowledge, but he hadn't released the power of God. The, the supernatural power of God that could really bring people to belief. And so here we have it. But the first thing he done was he built a team, not just a team, but a group. Because in, it's in groups that we, it's in groups that we grow. It's in teams that we do the work of the ministry, but it's in, in groups that we grow. That's why we're having a team night on Wednesday night because we're a team of workers. We're a team of people who are empowered to do the work of the ministry. We're called to be miracle workers. We're called to see life change, not through our own might. Because that's where Eve went wrong. That's where Adam went wrong, not through our own might, but by the power of the Spirit. So the pressure's not on us. The pressure is just on us maintaining a relationship with the Father that's where the power comes through him and so Jesus went to this party with his people with his crew with his group so maybe some of you are going out into places into parties maybe there's potential temptation for you in some places that you're going my advice to you is if you're going there bring your group bring your team with you I'm not against going into dark places but make sure you're shining bright okay Make sure you've got your group with you. Why? Because when two or three are gathered, there's protection. When two or three are gathered, there's, there's more fuel in the fire. If, if you fall, then someone's there to pick you up because you're going in the same direction. Two, can, two cannot walk together unless in agreement. But if you're walking with someone in relationship with someone, whether it be emotionally or intimately or whatever it is, if you're not walking in the same direction, there's an issue with your light. The batteries will run out. They won't be recharged. And so Jesus went into a place that could be perceived as a place of temptation because there was alcohol, there was drink, there was wine. Yeah? But he went there and he brought his group. And so what I love about this is Jesus made it clear it wasn't, he wasn't there to do all the work himself. Why was Jesus forming a group? What was the purpose of the group? As we fast forward, what happened to the disciples? The disciples were left with the job at hand. 
Jesus empowered them. He, he spoke life with them. He, he just walked with them. He done life with them. But then eventually he, he, he removed himself. Because Jesus knew from the start, I'm not, I'm not here just to do group. I'm not here just to have a social club. I'm here to build the kingdom of God. And how I'm going to do it is by doing life with people with purpose. That's why our, our vision is know God, find freedom, get in a group, discover your purpose, because that's what's going to drive your group forward. That's going to give you direction and then make a difference. And it all comes as a part of being a part of a group. And it goes on to say in Matthew 4 and 18, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, now watch what Jesus does here. Beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and his brother Andrew. Now we've just went reverse here. We went before, this is now before the first miracle. And this is what happened as Jesus was trying to gather disciples. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the, to the lake for they were fishermen. Jesus said, come follow me. Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. So what did Jesus just do? So some of you right now, you're looking for some friends. You're looking for a deeper sense of community. You're looking for purpose. You're looking uh, to grow. You've been coming to church for long enough now and you've heard enough sermons. You're like, that's the same thing. And it's kind of like, it's okay. But you're kind of losing a bit of your drive. You're losing a bit of your passion. It was all good when it was new to you, but now you need to go deeper. Now it's not just about hearing about the message of Jesus from a distance. It's now time to get on the field. And so the first thing that Jesus done as he was about to prepare for a miracle before the miracle was he went and said, hey, come follow me. He invited people into his life. Some of you right now are feeling really lonely, secluded, isolated. But have you invited anybody into your life? Have you invited anybody for a coffee? Have you invited anyone to a group? Have you actually attended a group? Have you pursued it? Because I don't know about you, but I see Jesus by himself is pursuing people to come. Come and hang out. Come walk with me. Come, I want to show you some stuff. And so I would say you have no excuse to feel secluded or powerless or if you're not seeing life change or you're not going deeper with God, there's no excuse if you're not inviting people, God has given you the ability for relationship. Come follow me. See, number two, Jesus created his group through invitation. That's why our group leaders, as much as I would love to promote everything, and we would love to as a church promote everything and do all the work for you, we can't. Because groups are only truly formed through invitation, one-to-one, -one, personal. We, we're we're going to put stuff on the website as a church just to make it available. But you know what? People need invited, personal in invitations. They need to know that you actually want them to come alongside them. Then it goes on to say in John 2, verses 10 to 11. And so we're talking about the miracle again. It says, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have, or, or, after the guests have had too much to drink because they'll not, what happens when you have too much to drink? No one in here knows that, obviously, because that's never happened. But fr from what I've been told, 
Go on, let me smile. I know you've been out. But from what I've been told or experienced, once you take a few too many, your sensitivity begins to diminish. And the things that you once cared about, you don't care about no more. And so they used to bring the worst wine out at the end because people didn't care, didn't know if it tasted good or not. And so what I think Jesus is doing here, he brought the best wine out at the end because I think Jesus is trying to put, send a message. Maybe Jesus is, is sending a message through his whole life is that, yes, there's been mistakes in your life. Yes, you've desensitized your emotions. You've hardened your heart to some things, to some people, to some situations. But maybe when Jesus arrives on the scene to bring new wine, he's here to resensitize your heart, resensitize your emotions. Maybe he's saying, I'm leaving the best to last. Maybe you think your life is over because a lot of years has passed. Well, I'm saying if you're not dead, God is not done. And maybe God leaves the best until last. Maybe it's not about how you start, but it's more about how you finish. Because how you finish the race determines the result, not how you start. You could stumble at the start of the 100 meters, but recover at the end. God is an expert in recovery. He's an expert in taking things which have been an absolute mess and presenting them to the world as his message. Jesus came in the form of sin. It looked like he had stumbled. It looked like Joseph and Mary had stumbled and fell. They were a write-off. They were trying to hide it. That's how Jesus came to present himself. Because God is trying to send the message that, listen, I know you try to do things your own way. I know you think it's all, all, sin is always the best at the start, but it always finishes so weak. It doesn't finish. It ends before the finish. But the message of Jesus has always been, I'm here to make you finish strong. And so it goes on to say, everybody brings out the choice wine, da-da-da. But you have, sorry, go back there one second. But you have saved the best until now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs of which, the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. What? His disciples believed? I thought they already believed in him when they started to follow him. I thought you're supposed to come to church and believe straight away and then that's the only way you can be a part of anything because you look right, you talk right, and you're dressed right. I thought you were supposed to have it all together before you came to Jesus. I thought I could only invite people to church who had it all together. When I invite people to church, I always veer towards the comfortable option, which is people who have a church background or are saved. Or, But then I didn't realize in the Bible that, that actually God called the worst people, the criminals, the sicuses, the stealers, the, the people who should be in jail. He didn't, he didn't call the educated or the people who maybe seen, seen strength in themselves. He called the people who, who actually were just normal and had a good heart, just trying to get through the day by day. He called the fishermen who weren't held in high esteem. In society, that's what? He actually called people before they even believed in him. He sat down and, and had a group with people before they actually were even a, a follower, a true follower of Christ and actually believed he was the Messiah. 
Do, do we believe that? By the way, we're inviting people to church or the way we, oh, I would love, to, I wouldn't invite them. They'll never get saved. What? Listen, let's, let's not say no for people. Let's not be their no. Let's not write them off before we even ask. That's not the way Jesus rolled. Jesus actually, right here, it's obvious that Jesus has allowed some people to belong to his group before they even believed. It took, it took for Jesus to bring them to a place where they witnessed the first miracle for them to believe in the supernatural power of God. So maybe we can invite some people who aren't believers to church. Maybe it's okay for us to allow people to belong and accept them. It doesn't mean we approve of them. It doesn't mean we approve of everyone's behavior, but we accept them. Jesus accepted, he sat down, and then when, when relationship was built up, trust was built, and all of a sudden life changed. Miracles began to come to the forefront. And here's an example. I love this story. So last week, five people got baptized here last Sunday night and people invited their friends. And thankfully, some people realized that, hey, I'm not going to wait until, I'm, just, I'm not going to just invite the comfortable little Christian followers of Jesus. I'm going to invite my friends and family who don't believe because I understand what Jesus was all about. I understand why Jesus came to the earth to bring life not for the Protestants or the Catholics or the Muslims or the Jews. He came to bring life to the humans, not to the boxes that we create. And so this young girl invited her friend, actually her boss at work, and she came in. And, uh, and on the way out, she's like, oh, you got me there. Like, the tears were flowing. She's like, like, oh, I can't believe he's done that. Like, what are you doing? Oh, you've left my heart. She was just a mess. She was like, oh, I've got to get out of here. I'm emotional. And, uh, and I just assumed, right, right, it was just an emotional service and it was nice to see someone. And it is emotional to see someone publicly go and, 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 and be bold about their faith. And, and it's very humbling, really. I remember when I was in the States studying, I used to always see people come to the altar for prayer. Just, it's emotional. It's, like, it's so, such a humble thing to do. It's so powerful. But we know when we're humble, God raises us up. The power of love comes through humility. And, uh, but anyhow, so I just assumed wrongly, it's probably just the service, me, me of little faith. Uh, and then I found out as I went to prod, and I, did you hear what she said this to me? What, what's the deal? And she'd, she'd followed up, great job. And she'd basically told me that, no, it actually wasn't the, it wasn't the baptism that, it wasn't the baptism that made her emotional. It was at the end when we were, were saying the prayer that she broke down. When we were saying the prayer of salvation that, that the tears began to run. Oh, I was like, whoa, that's a whole different ballgame. I was thinking it was just the service and it was just the surfacey type of thing. Just a, it was a move. It was just emotional in some ways. But, but if it's through the, the prayer that we're saying at the end of the service, then, then that's a completely different ball game that's 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 understanding the message of Jesus who died for us and and paid for our shortcomings and our failures and our brokenness and you're starting to get emotional around realizing God's love is so powerful that it can it can make you want it so attractive that it makes you it draws you in 
You see, number three, life change happens in the context of a group. That young girl came in, she was in a group in work, in relationship in work, and someone was able to invite her into a group, and miracles are starting to happen. Life change is starting to happen. New wine is beginning to be presented to her life. What is new wine? New power. She's beginning to see things she'd never seen or maybe once seen and being reminded of who she truly is. So is the band coming head on up? I'm just gonna finish out now. This is one of the key parts of this message. Life change happens in the context of group. Ministry happens in groups. You know, the church was never supposed to be one person at the front doing all the work. It's actually the polar opposite, and I'm gonna explain that to you right now. And I really believe as I look across the body of the church worldwide, and especially in the westernized world, in the westernized world, I believe the church has been completely under par. It, it's been relying on like one foot, trying to balance itself on one leg. And it's not been walking the way God had intended it to. It has been walking in the gifts it, it, it had been intended to. It has been walking in the posture, I believe, that God intended the church to walk in. It's kind of in survival mode, but in, we've got some things right, as in we're trying to do all that we can with methods and creating environments that, that at least, and, and speaking in language that helps people, but that's only the start. That's only the first step. That's not, God's deeper than that. He's created us with more gifts than that. He's created you with more gifts than just coming into a nice environment with nice worship. And that's only the start. That's only the beginning. And so let me explain this. Listen, I would love us to start taking notes as well. Because it's too easy just to come in and have that consumer type mentality where you just, I got my wee boost. You're better than that. God's put gifts inside of you bigger than just listening to someone speak. If I was playing football and I just went to spectate, I, there's no way I can get a, become a better footballer by just watching people play. I might learn a little bit about strategy and theory and that's great. But the only way I can get better at football is if I get on the field and go to practice during the week. Get in a group. Start to get the ball to my feet. I mightn't have it all together. I might make a few bad passes. I might be in the B team for a bit. That's probably a bad analogy. But you, you get what I'm saying? I might, I'm gonna get, have an environment to grow somewhere, but I just need to be growing and getting on the field because I feel alive when I'm playing. I, feel, I need God when I'm playing, not when I'm watching. I get critical when I'm watching. <laughs> Anyone with me? It's easy to spectate now, this stupid manager. We didn't get promoted this year, Porter Down. Terrible. We didn't have what's bring the old one, big Ronnie back. Critical. Do you have a ball to your feet? No, but I, I can tell you how to do it. We need a ball to our feet. Are you coaching the young ones? No, but I can be critical. Are you investing in the club at all? No. I watch, I go to three games a year. Well, how do you expect the club to ever create a legacy and, and raise itself, raise the bar if you're doing nothing to help? Come on, the church is not called to just be spectators. Consumerism. It's so much deeper than that. Now listen, I'm setting this up because I want us to get this. 
When you're a part of a group, you get three things. You get accountability. You get belonging before you believe. And you get care. Jesus cared for his disciples, his 12. He pastored them. He didn't pastor the thousands. He he wouldn't have the time or the energy. He'd done miracles. He was apostolic. He he went through the whole fivefold ministry. He was prophetic. He was an answer to the prophets prophets of old from six, seven hundred years ago. Over 300 prophecies were fulfilled. He was an evangelist. He was the teacher. He was he was all five in one. He exemplified why, not just so he could be the only one, so that he can empower many thousands and millions of others to walk in that same gift. So, but, 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 this, this is uncomfortable, Phil. <laughs> I don't want to have to do anything. I want to just criticize or get my little fill and, and just walk on in life and nothing ever changes. Did you know that, it, that the best pastors in the any kids can ever have will always be their their parents. No pastor in church can fill the void of of one hour a week, can fill the void of hundreds of hours throughout the week. There's there's no way. We need to see the people, the church in part individually, not up here, down here. Amen. It's getting quiet in here. And so watch this. Go, Go read into this, learn it. This is, these are the gifts that God sent for the church. And it says in Ephesians 4 and 11, it says, and he gave, Ephesians 4, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds or the pastors and the teachers. That's the gifts that were given to the church. You know why? This is why. Go on to the next verse, please. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Who are the saints? You. You're the saints. For the work of the ministry, it's in teams that we do the work. You're the saints. The apostles, the gift of apostleship is not there just to lord over the church. It's there to empower the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. That's why the body uh, is described. It describes the body. There's a leg, there's a foot, there's an eye, there's a head, there's an ear. It's exciting. You get to get the ball to your feet and run with it. You get to make a move. You get to do a one-two. You get to you get to play a part of the team. You don't have to sit and watch. Because you know when you get sit and watch, the, the devil comes with an idle heart and discourages you when you're too busy building the church. You've no time to criticize others. You've time to love others. Build them up. Be a light in the dark places. I'm telling you, that theology is of old. It's been there thousands of years but it's time for the church to come back to its original simple form and then the miracles will come it's not by our might it's not by us trying to function in this man made created thing it's God's way it's always been his way if we just surrender to his way and get filled with this you don't need faith if you're just coming here to receive But if you're walking with the ball at your feet and you're going out into the world and gathering groups of people and inviting groups of people into your life, you need the gifts around you. You need, I I need the gift of pastorship, a pastor in my group so that when something goes wrong, someone can get cared for. I need 
the evangelists in my group so we can go and invite more people into the group. I need the teachers in my group so, so they can teach us some of the simple principles of the Bible and teach us how God loved us. We need those gifts. I need the gift of administration in my group so we can organize it now and I'm not going like crazy trying to organize stuff that I'm not good at doing. I promise you I'm not. It drives me nuts. So gift of admin, rise up. I need you. We need you. Does, are, you get, are you getting that? I'm telling you, if you want to feel alive, you get on the field. If you want to feel you have purpose, you get in the game. If you want to continue to grow, go make some mistakes. <laughs> go make some mistakes. I don't mean that on purpose. Don't actually make mistakes on purpose. But you'll make mistakes as you go. You make a bad pass now and again, it's okay. Let's, how, do we, how do we get better? How do we grow? And that's why we need to have good communication. I tell you, if you want to get some encouragement when you're in the pit of hell on this earth, you need a prophet. You need someone to speak the goodness of God over your life and to see things that you can't see because you're so broken and so hurt. But I tell you, you'll develop intimacy with God. Woo! This is, honestly, this is, this is really important. We, yeah, we may be small in seed form, but I'm telling you, God, God needed 12. But if we can grasp this and see this and get this, it's not about being spooky or weird. It's about God just being God and us being us and letting him just do his thing. He just, he just filled, Jesus just filled the, he just filled it with water. He just filled the jars with water. That's a very natural thing to do. It's not a hard thing to do. God, the Father done the miracle through him. You don't have to do anything crazy. You don't have to pray a certain way with a certain type of voice. Here, let me tell you one more example. You gotta finish. <laughs> so I was in the volunteer bureau. Stories, I love them. And honestly, I've always been about, I've heard all the stuff of people praying and, ah, and this and that, and it's all very razzmatazz. And, but I, I, I get so much encouragement of someone who just prays a simple prayer of God, heal this person or God. I pray you intervene in this situation, amen. That's it. It's very reachable for any ordinary fisherman, any ordinary person, right? You feel like I can be a part of that team because they're not being all out of reach and big words and old English, and, yeah? So it's, that's an invitation in itself. And so I was in, I just really wanna see God move and do his thing and get out of the way. So I was in the volunteer bureau and two girls, they're, they're, they're both a part of a Catholic church. And, uh, but they're honestly, they're, they're on God channel, listen to Joyce Myers and they're fired up. They believe in Jesus. I don't want to get into all the details, but I'd, all I know is that they believe in Jesus and they received him as Lord. And that's the requirement I see within the scriptures is if you believe in Jesus as Lord and you surrender to him, then I don't really want to talk about too much other details. I'm a simple person. And so anyhow, so one of them asked me for prayer because they actually done our access and eyes in there in, in uh in last summer for a summer blast. She says, Phil, Phil, I've actually got a lot going on. I'm supposed to go to hospital tomorrow. There's something going on uh, and, and I have to have an operation. And I, to be honest, I didn't think much. I don't know anything about that. She says, can you pray for me? I said, absolutely. And so I just laid hands on her and just prayed. And that was it and walked out and they're great banter. They're going to come. I'm going to get her up on the stage some week. I'm trying to rope her in. 
And uh, I go back there on Friday to leave some of the forms back, which I should have left back probably three weeks ago, but told you I'm not good at admin. And, and walk in and, I, and she's like, Phil, did you realize? I don't have your details or anything, but did you realize I went into the, the doctors in the hospital and I was scheduled for an operation? And they told me to leave because it was no longer an issue because they'd done the scans and it was gone. And I promise you, I don't I know nothing about that. I didn't feel anything weird happen. I didn't pray a complex prayer. I just laid my hands and done what I was told to do and what the Bible tells me to do in Jesus' name. <laughs> and God moved. So maybe if we just get back to basics, maybe we get out of the way. Maybe we empower people to be the saints and do the work of the ministry. Maybe we'll see some miracles. But before the miracles, about a group. Yeah? Some of us here, we've got to, get, got to get over that fear of intimacy with people. We've been hurt in the past. Come on. Before the miracle. You've got to come into relationship with people and God. Let's stand. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there's just a few things I'd like you to do. Subscribe to our podcast so the most recent message will always be in your feed. Secondly, if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can go onto our website at ariachurch.org and give now. And we will see you next time on the Ariat Church podcast.